0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on the stack, we talk about a bunch of books that came out this week. Let's kick it off Woo-hoo! with a big one Batman vs. Robin, number one from DC Comics, written by Mark Wade, art by Mahmoud Azrar. This is spinning directly out of Mark Wade's Batman Superman and pitting, as you can tell from the title, Batman vs. Robin vs. Damian Wayne. But the big event here, this is not a spoiler because they put it out in the press. Is in some way somehow it seems like Batman's Butler, Alfred Pennyworth. What's his name oh, again? Uh, whoa, I am not demeaning him. They Did uh, he have a love name? that so Did much. He have they a changed, full name? They changed the name of the TV show Pennyworth to Pennyworth: The Origin of Batman's Butler. So
1: that's. How Alfred's important. alive, motherfucker. Stop being weird about it. Alfred is alive. Nobody knows how. Nobody cares. We're just so happy that he's back and alive. This is great fucking news.
2: First off, Batman, Robin, these guys shouldn't be fighting. They're friends, traditionally. <laughs> um, second off, his butler shows up at the door, Where the cucumber sandwiches. He's awful slow on the cucumber.
1: Oh, come I'm on, saying. man. <laughs> Putting him to work, he's he comes back alive, and you're like, uh, you're already upset there's no sandwiches. I mean, come on, it is
0: so. Obviously, we're at like the very beginning of the story, and I trust Mark Wade as a storyteller implicitly. You should, he's a great writer, 100% earned that. But at the same time, reading this issue where Alfred returns, where It's great. They deal with it emotionally. They deal with it contextually in terms of the plot. The stuff with Batman fighting Robin is great. But the way that they imply that Alfred kind of returned as a side effect of whatever Damien is doing is very weird to me. And there's got to be some sort of twist there because the idea that, like, well, the universe wanted Batman's butler to return (laughs) is crazy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, it makes you feel bad for Batman. He's like, oh, universe, you brought back my butler.
0: What about my parents?
2: Remember <laughs> come them? On, come on. Come I certainly on. like them too. Come on, uh, dude. So maybe the butler and then the parents, or the parents first and then the butler. Um, <laughs> oh, my God.
1: Oh, but unbelievable. All uh, right, that's all right. the universe's well, choice. Let's get into the issue, though. This is a really great first issue. Uh Really crazy, fucked up, very exciting. It's awesome to have a Zatanna-Batman team-up. Very excited for this. Amazing what, art, What sort of team-up are you talking
0: here? Because, spoiler she's talking <laughs> with her snap, neck snapped, and she's only able to talk in the moments before she dies.
1: Well, we still get... Uh, some satanic, you know what I mean? It's like, the, I feel up. like there's going to be more. To be fair, uh, Justin, I don't know if you know be f- because you
0: were, you were out of town. Pete and I actually went to a cemetery over the weekend, and he uh, looked out at all the graves, and he was like, classic team up, me and that
2: guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great, you go to a funeral, you're teaming up with a corpse. That's what it's all about.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, what so I do, please don't call it a funeral.
1: Call it a team up. Yeah, I will, and it's gonna be those classic team
2: ups where we get in a fight, and then eventually team up to save the day. So it
1: ends with us pissing on your grave.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Not necessary. Very few team ups end with that. I will say. but um, I love Mark Waid as a writer. Any comic he's bringing uh, to the people, I'm along for the ride. Um, I This comic goes hard. I love seeing Tim Hunter in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Did not expect uh, that. Books of Magic. Uh, shout out to that. I guess it's part of the full-on DC universe, which I had forgotten. And then he's got his screwdriver wand, which was what was happening in the
0: most recent arc. There you go. Good fun stuff. Next up, Midnight Suns, number one from Marvel, written by Ethan Sachs, art by Luigi Zaharia. This is teaming up a bunch of magic characters in the Marvel universe with Wolverine as they deal with (laughs) a threat that has come directly from Strange Academy. Pete, how'd you feel about this? Some of your favorite characters in here.
1: I mean, this is, yeah, this is very exciting. It's just a whole bunch of my favorite characters all in one issue. I mean, you got uh, Doom in here. You got uh, Ghost Rider. You've got Wolverine. I'm So, sorry, sorry uh, I'm, just to I'm, check, I'm
0: Wolverine is number three on your list of characters here? No, you've got Rider. Blade.
1: You okay. know, like, number there's four. just a lot of great i'm not ranking these asshole i'm paging through the comic and just naming uh the ones that uh, i see page here so one.
0: you got page two you got
1: page <laughs> oh, three. my god <laughs> classic you, you're such a fucking asshole man um, I,
2: I i like all these characters it's sort of a throwback to have a wolverine just hanging who even Wolverine's Wait, like? What am Wolverine's I doing? Wolverine's the one
1: where you're like, oh, this doesn't belong on this. Are you fucking Wait, serious? No, right he out. says it to Justin's point. Yeah, he's like, why Wolverine's
0: am I, here? Like, I didn't. What? I didn't have any of the visions that you guys had. Yeah, you need
2: Wolverine's Wolverine. like, that's why he's here. I mean, I guess we'll see. I mean, other characters have knives; they can cut stuff with. Um, oh my god, that's but not. I all do. I do like this team
1: Fucking up. asshole.
2: He brings just sort of a surly attitude and some light cigar scent. Um, But let me uh, also say. Anything you relate
0: to there, Pete? (laughs) Uh,
2: It's very funny, interesting how Strange Academy has become such a jumping off point for so many books. And like uh, it's really carving out a place in the Marvel Universe. Um, And I think that's cool. I like sort of this mystery. I like the way that it was a vision that everybody had. Um. Curious how old Doc Doom uh, hangs with this. You don't see Doc Doom yeah. Wolverine being like, Oh, here we go
0: again. Drinking buddies. You think? Does Doctor Doom drink? Like, does he take off his mask to drink or does he have like a soda and it
1: just sort of spills down his mask a little bit, it gets stuck in his chin? No, no. He's got a no. little He's got a little kind of filter on there, so he can just dump the booze right in. Yeah, he funnels. He's a funnel. Yeah, I played beer pong fun.
2: against Dr. Doom. He's pretty good, but the metal's loud, you
0: know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 10,000 Black Feathers, number one from Image Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, art by Andrea Sorrentino, as well as re-teaming this classic team of writer and artists. It's also the kickoff of their Bone Orchard Mythos which seems like a big deal that they're leading into. So what did you guys think about this new horror-inflected comic book?
2: I'm curious. I don't get a lot of the
0: bone orchard.
2: Like, it is Mm -hmm. fall. Great time to go to an apple orchard. I didn't understand um, if this was like a bone tree where you pluck a bone down and make Mm -hmm. some sort of um, uh, bone cider, bone yeah, a bone pie. Uh, love a bo- Thanksgiving. Love. Here's
0: my pie. problem. I, oh, you guys have been to the Bone go. Orchard. My problem with going to the Bone Orchard is it always sounds like a nice idea, and then you have this huge sack of bones that's just like sitting in your house, staring.
1: Yeah, they you just know, sit like, in, oh, in the back of the of fridge, room. and then you have. What, what are you doing? You're using bones the bones once you get them from the orchard. What
0: kind of Well, you use them. orchard you use You paid so much money to get into the Bone Orchard, and you're like, oh, this is fun. You're picking the bones off of the bone tree. You're taking bites out of them. But then you have like sacks and sacks of bones, and it's
1: just it's so too you're bone rich. What's the problem? I'm bone understand. rich. P uh, loves going I- to the bone
2: orchard and watering the bone trees with his pea, which is a graveyard. What the
1: fuck? All right, let's talk about the comic here. This is creepy as fuck. I mean, anytime you got children, I love in you here, into
0: a cemetery and be like, "So, could I pick everything? Like, it's
1: one price to just take whatever I want, right?" <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. I just grab a bag and just take whatever I want. Yeah, I have so to wait on the way
1: out. If we could talk about the comic again, uh, no I, I think it's just uh, it starts off super creepy. You got kids in there, and they're creepy as fuck. So I had I had some real problems. Uh, continuing to read this because it was so creepy. Uh, but I, I managed to go through. Um, it gets less creepy as it goes on, but then more creepy is the twist at the end. But, man, uh, very interesting. Uh, I think it's a solid first issue. Really awesome art choices they make in here, kind of really setting up like a tone and atmosphere type of feel. So, uh, yeah, I think it's very interesting.
2: I'm really excited for the Lemire uh, Sorrentino universe that it feels like we're getting into. Uh, It has a nice sort of dark undertone. We don't learn too much about what's actually happening here, except the story is jumping back and forth between um, uh, these two kids who meet and become friends. And then later, one of them, it comes back to the hometown and something horrible seems to have happened. Um, So it's good setup for the mystery. Beautiful art by Andrea Sorrentino. Looking forward to more.
0: As long as they establish an issue to how you can carry all those sacks of bones back on the Metro-North, that's the main thing I want to know, but fingers crossed to get to that. Yeah, Metro-North.
2: It's great place. A lot, you'll see a ton of people with big old pecks of bones. <laughs> Pick a peck
0: of bones. Vampirella Mind Warp, number one, from Dynamite, written by Jeff Parker, art by Benjamin Dewey. In this issue, Vampirella is going on one of them classic Vampirella adventures before she gets sucked. Spoiler, back to the 1960s. hence the Mind Warp of the title. What did you guys think about this?
1: uh it's you know it's a fun set up i I like the way it kind of started and she is more clothed and uh it being a little bit more appropriate uh and then uh kind of fun uh cast of characters that we kind of uh get along the way and then kind of build up to the big kind of time uh time jump at the end there so interesting story. Kind of fun that it's not uh, TNA-based, it's story-based. And, um, yeah, interesting.
2: Uh, I like Jeff Parker as a writer. I feel like we haven't heard too much from him in a while. And um, this has a, a nice sort of take on the classic, like, underling uh, trying to capture the hero situation. And I, I really like the way their their sort of relationship, Vampirella and uh, Ren, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they sort of move through the story and the the reveal at the end. Um, not what I expected, and I was pleasantly surprised by this.
0: Yeah, I agree with you guys. Jeff Barker is always reliable as a writer, and I enjoyed this. I, I got to say, I don't know why it was specifically this issue that made me think of this, but – I feel like the TNA covers are a legitimate detriment to Dynamite as a publisher because they have good books that they publish. But every single time we talk about something, we're like, wow, that was better than the cover, you know, like and and, and I wish they would just take that out of the conversation.
2: And even beyond that, it feels like the books have gotten better recently, but the covers are just variations on the same thing that they've done for so long. So um, uh, agreed there.
0: Yeah. Next up, The Flash, The Fastest Man Alive, number one for Uh, DC Comics, written by Kenny Porter, art by Ricardo Lopez Ortiz. This is a fascinating comics, I think, to talk about because it is a three-issue lead up to The Flash movie starring Ezra Miller, which so far is maybe never coming out. It was obviously timed for when the book was supposed to come out, but as is... Right now, it's supposed to come out at some point next year. I guess that's TBD with everything that's happening in the background, both with Warner Brothers Discovery as well as Ezra Miller. But that all said, it's still a comic book that does exist. So, what's your take on it?
2: Well, well just I did, to, to respond to that, I, like, why did they choose to release this right now? It feels very strange. They made it.
0: Yeah, they, well, had, already on they had already made re- it. They had already solicited it, I guess. And this way, at least, like you have three issues coming out over three months, then it's going to be collected at a trade at some point after that. And ostensibly, if we imagine a world where the Flash movie is coming out in 2023, then you have this prologue collection exists on the shelf that they can sell before the movie comes out. But... Sure. At, the, at the same
1: time that, makes sense.
2: that all makes sense not not complicated at all
1: <laughs> yeah I I just think that like I liked the art style of this book I think they did like a different choice in the art which I thought was really cool it's kind of a, a a different take on the DC style that we see so I enjoyed that and it was nice to have kind of a Batman team up and some touching dad stuff in here you know to kind of pull it away from the azure miller bullshit for a little
2: bit yeah i mean I, I thought the the story itself like i gerger was a cool like visual villain here and the sort of educational bit that the flash goes through with batman i don't know what this speaks to in the movie if we're gonna get this scene or something similar but um i, I liked this the way it played out it, it feels weird that this is just existing in its own movie continuity that we may never see Um, But as a standalone story, I thought it was uh, an interesting flash tale.
0: Yeah, I think Kenny Porter as a writer did a really good job here, though the Batman that we see here, which is supposed to be Batfleck, is nothing like anything that we've seen on screen. He's much kinder. He's much more considerate and thoughtful. He's not the guy who's just growling and shooting things up. Not holding Dunkin' Donuts coffee in any scene. Yeah, exactly. Not marrying Jennifer Lopez, a very specific thing that Ben Affleck did as a human being, Uh, but as a comic book. book and as a fan of the flash, I think this worked totally divorced from everything else. So there you go. If it worked as a one shot comic book, who cares about anything else? You know what I'm talking about? Daredevil number three from Marvel, <laughs> ah, written by ah. Chip Zdarsky, art by Rafael de la Torre. In this issue, Daredevil is reeling from the revelation that maybe his entire life is, you know, just kind of a lie, like just a, like a little bit of a lie. And of course he goes pretty hard on trying to recruit people in his fight to join the fist. He finds out some revelations here that tie over into what is going on in the Punisher and he tangles with Luke Cage a bit. And there's some big moves in terms of the world of crime in New York city. I love this. I think Chip Zdarsky is just like knocking it out of the park every single issue. But what did you guys think?
1: I agree. I think this is really cool. Uh, I like the Luke Cage uh, kind of mayor stuff, which is great. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think that this is, I like what Daredevil's doing and the moves that he's making. Um, so I'm interested to see how this all pans out. But really amazing art and panels and some, uh, yeah, interesting reveals. Very excited to see where this goes. This is a really cool book.
2: Yeah, the way that Chip Zdarsky putting Daredevil through uh, his paces is is really cool and really different from what we've seen before. Uh, it's the connection to the Punisher side of it. I'm very really curious how that's going to play out because it feels like two separate ideas, and I don't exactly know how they
0: fight each other. How, how do they? Who wins there? Yeah. I, I don't think anybody necessarily, you know, we talked about this. We I think do. we talked about this on a podcast where you were not here. I think Pete and I talked about it, but what it feels. You guys um, still do it? Um, <laughs> we do another That's, podcast. It's a totally different podcast. We uh, mostly talk about uh, our experiences at the cemetery together, to be perfectly yeah, honest.
1: Or, or about how we're going to buy a Funko Pop you know, and become a partial owner. Stop crossing the streams. That's a different podcast where we talked about that
0: Pete. But I think we are heading towards something here. Like uh, there's already some initial teases in terms of what's going on with the fist and the hand. You have Daredevil leading the fist with Electra. You have Punisher leading the hand. I feel like we're heading towards some sort of event type thing where you have all of these heroes, leading these villain organizations, how does that come together? How do they clash? We're already getting a hint of that, but I feel like it's only the beginning, potentially, of something bigger that maybe hasn't been announced yet, if I'm reading the tea leaves right. Yeah,
2: no, that's probably true. It's just uh, the way that—and I've been enjoying the the Punisher book, too, and the Punisher feels like he doesn't really want to be in the hand, but he has to, so— And there is a connection there between, like, um, he will have to sacrifice his love, something that Daredevil does, like, every weekend, basically, in his (laughs) comics. So um, maybe there's a strong point there.
0: The Least We Could Do, number one, from Image Comics, written by Elsa Romboli, art by Iolando Zanfardino. This is a new magical book. Showing a very different sort of world with a very unique art style. What did you
1: dudes think about this? Yeah. Did uh, Pip have something to say? um... Pete, why don't you talk about this book? Okay. So I, yeah, some really cool art style choices happening here. Um, I, I really appreciated some of the kind of adorable choices that I felt like fit with what's happening. We see like the notebook sketches and stuff like that. Um, uh, but I love the action, interesting kind of set up for this world I, I thought the art style was great the panel layouts are really cool um i'm interested to see kind of like it kind of starts off with this character that's kind of got like a little red riding hood look a little bit so to kind of see what it all means and kind of fits together but i think as a first issue does a great job of setting up this world Um, Yeah, I like this too. It it, uh, does
2: a good job of just immersing us in the world without um, having to introduce it in sort of a painstaking way. A lot of show versus tell here, and I'm curious the sort of the way the magic works is um, after uh, an apocalypse or the world sort of falls. um, Different objects are imbued or seem to be like conductive of a person's power or life force or something, and uh, that's I, I like that as sort of a premise or a guiding power set principle. So I'm curious to see how we explored that.
0: Next up, Masquerade, number one, spelled with a K. Masquerade. Just to be, oh my God. Mm-hmm. From Dark Horse Comics, mm-hmm. written by Kevin Smith Masquerade. and Andy McElfresh, mm-hmm. art by John Sprengelmeyer and letters by the Phantom of the Opera. Right, Pete?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. the gloriously what? restored Vantageous Theater. So wow. a lot by of stuff. By Phantom by phone. A lot of stuff. <laughs> what year is it?
2: What year is it in this book? Where in this comic we... book, what year is it?
0: Oh, great question. I don't know.
2: There's uh, a lot of stuff going this on comic... here. Yeah, you go.
0: No, no, no. Go ahead, Justin. You clearly got off. I was thought. gonna say
2: this comic. It feels like it's written in, um, like, the '90s from a very like, bros. Uh, we're gonna make some comics, uh, mm-hmm. and it's like doesn't uh treat people in the right way i think in this comic there's some interesting things with sort of the uh the hero or like like main character i guess hero's not the right word yeah. that i'm curious to see where they would go i i like sort of the visual nature but there's just so much like not good uh sex stuff and uh, exploitation here that i was like there was sort of a turn off for me
1: Pete, what yeah, about here. This is kind of like a Jen- Jennifer Aniston rip off moment here. It's kind of like a face off situation. Jennifer Aniston, but
0: it, you you got to specify what you're referring to here.
1: Oh, because of the the, the, the first hair. character, that the Rachel. Go, uh, yeah, uh, it kind of looks exactly like Jennifer Aniston in the beginning there. All
2: right.
1: Uh, um, yeah. So. Um, and, uh, then we kind of have this face-off situation where different people are wearing different faces and taking on different, uh, people's roles so it's kind of like a face-off but with robots a little bit so i i don't know what's happening um but uh you know i would like to be able to trust kevin smith as a writer and what's going on and instead of the detroit fist you got the foot so you know (laughs) you see what they did there uh but uh yeah i i don't know i'm interested to see what else happens
0: So the plot of the book, as far as I can set it out, is there is a social media influencer who, as it's revealed at the end, and there's a spoiler here, was clearly abused by a bunch of men. Her face kind of cut up and slashed, potentially by one guy, potentially by multiple guys. She has gained some sort of technology that lets her impersonate people. Uh, heads masquerade of the title and is capturing them, putting in cages and is going to punish them. Meanwhile, there is a guy who gets fired from his company for some sexual misconduct and is potentially going to be hired by her or maybe by somebody else. Uh, My problem with the book, even though I do think John Springlemyer's art is very good and very clean throughout, the action is super clear. There's a big action sequence that happens in the middle here with the main character that I thought was pretty well executed across. is Like we're saying, first of all, there's too many things going on the issue to hold on to any particular character as well as the plot. But also, like Justin was getting at, it's very... Uh, retrograde in terms of its feminism, I would say. Yeah. It It feels like a sort of thing like, we are making a feminist statement. Also, we are men, by the way. I don't know if we mentioned that. And granted, yeah. we're all three men here on the podcast, but reading this book definitely feels like that. Uh, I'm willing to give them the second issue here to see where it goes. To Pete's point, I think Kevin Smith has written some good comics in the past, but... This is not selling me enough on the concept of the first issue, I would say. Yeah. Why don't we move on to another one that we've been very split on? Judgment Day, number four, from Marvel, written by Karen Gillen, art by Valerio Sheedy. The, I keep wanting to say, Eternal Celestial is that was reactivated by the Avengers and some of the Eternals, is continuing to judge the entirety of the human race, the entirety of Earth, and trying to find out whether they're worth it or not. At the meantime, Druig is continuing to attack the X-Men. I'll tell you what, I'm still not 100% sold on this crossover, but I think this was my favorite issue by far, and part of that is the focus on the Judgment, but also... The fact that it actually got somewhere in terms of this yeah. overall conflict and the title of the crossover things. it sounds like you guys felt the same go ahead Pete what did you think?
1: Yeah yeah things finally happened we're finally getting some stuff that like it's kind of like okay but I mean how this comic starts is there's so many word balloons there's so much dialogue that kind of gets in the way of the art it's really it's it's kind of messy a little bit and it's it's hard to get into. At least that's how I was feeling about it. But then kind of once you get into it, uh, we do get somewhere. So it kind of becomes worth it. Uh, but I feel like now this is finally starting this event. So I'm ex- hoping for some cool stuff moving forward. But, uh, overall the art is, uh, really cool. Yeah. Uh, true. Yeah. Uh, a little, a
2: really little cool. bit of an up. At the end of the sentence, uh, oh. I thought you were starting a song of some sort. Really yeah. Cool. <laughs>
0: um,
2: Like I agree, the art is very cool, and this issue was my favorite of the four because it does just—it's like here's some judgment, which is half of the title. Um, but it, it's just so dense. It's like I feel like Kieran Gillen, a lot of his stuff lately has been just like incredibly dense. When I I just want to like set down the plot for a second and just take a look around at the, at the world and to really show us that. Um, So you, you really have to buckle up for that when you're getting into a book like this. Um,
0: It's great. art. I don't know if this was how it was meant though. I kind of suspect maybe it was, but this is the most I have felt like, this is an issue to launch a bunch of one-shots in series and tie into them that I've read at an event in a very long time. And even when we've been critical... And that is of, what's happening, I think. Yes, exactly. So that is a little frustrating because it feels like it's very like... Read Judgment Day X-Men to find out more about this panel that's happening over here. Versus the pure idea of the crossover is really interesting in and of itself. The idea of, like, the Eternals and Avengers accidentally activating a Celestial who judges the human race. And this is a spoiler for the end. But ultimately, the Celestial is like, nope, not worth it, and decides to destroy the Earth That should have been issue one in my mind. Yeah, And that would track more with
2: like a crossover, like the Infinity Gauntlet, something Mm -hmm. I think we go back to as um, executing at a super successful level, bringing a ton of characters together to do one thing and deal with one situation. And then this is just a little chaotic because of so much uh, of what's going on.
0: And I do think, not to spend too much time on that, but I do think part of that is Valeria Shidi's art, who I like Valeria Shidi as an artist, but the action sequences aren't necessarily tying with each other. The panels aren't necessarily tying with each other. It's a very... One of you, I'm sorry, used the word chaotic, but it's a very chaotic reading experience. And part of that is the panel layout, which it's frustrating because I like both of these creators. I feel like there is more to get out of this, but it's not quite getting to it at the moment. And we got yeah, one issue to, to go.
1: It's hard to keep us I straight. think there are two I more. Mean, who says what? Other two you more? I
0: mean? There's an Omega. I don't know if, at this point if we count the Omega or not
2: no there's a there's a 5 and a 6 and in the middle there's like 15 10 to 15 other books and wow. then the omega
0: Cool. I'm very uh, wow. tired. Let's move on and talk about <laughs> Wonder Woman number 791 from DC Comics, written by Becky and Michael W. Conrad, and Jordi Belair, art by Marguerite Sauvage and Paulina Ganache. We're kicking off a new arc here as Wonder Woman heads to the jungle to investigate somebody who is experimenting on animals. You'll figure out where that's going because the cover spoils the end of the book in <laughs> the classic page, comic yeah. book fashion. Real bummer there. But as usual, this team is turning in such a solid comic book. And Marguerite Savage, who is like iconic at this point, adds such a nice flavor to what
1: they're doing. Uh, yeah, this is breathtaking art. I mean, the tripped out skeleton flower was just unbelievable amazing panels like i'm not gonna be surprised if we see at comic conventions people like tattooing some of this stuff because it is just that stunning and that absolutely people like pee uh (laughs) no i'm just saying it's just so good that people are gonna want to hang on to it and want to kind of have it for their own because it's so good when are Um, we gonna
2: get a cbc tweet uh tattoo
1: yeah, when, when are CBC we CBC Tweet,
0: we get those all the time. We get yeah. a lot of those. CBC Cat. Yeah. I,
1: I think this is, like, really fun last-page reveal, even if it was spoiled, like, kind of built up to it nice. Uh, love the moment with her mom. This was just... Uh, this is some great Wonder Woman comic that we're getting right here. So I, I'm having a good time.
2: What I love about this run is it's not event-based uh, for the character. Like, um, it, it really is just, like... Oh, Ron, just, like, let's tell these stories. And I, I, I feel like um, when uh, Becky and Michael, like, get together and, and it, f- even for the, the backup story, the Geordie like, it really feels like they're, like, just, like, hey, what do we want what, to what do, do next? Oh, let's do this thing. We'll get uh, Cheetah in this. We'll get, like, it, it feels really collaborative and organic in a way that a lot of um, comic runs just don't anymore.
0: Love Everlasting, number two from Image Comics, written by Tom King, art by Elsa Charterrier. This is continuing the journey of our character who is probably trapped in a romance comic book, though it's not entirely clear yet. Unlike the first issue that focused on three different stories here, we're really focusing in on one that is very, like... Jane Austen style romance that she is trapped in things are breaking through they're developing in certain ways. I love this book. Love Elsa's art. I think it's absolutely gorgeous. I mentioned this with the first issue. It's very reminiscent though not derivative of Darwin Cook. Um yes. great book. What do great you guys guess. think?
2: Yeah, I, I love this I, book I, too. It feels like it's it is treating the romance genre as Sort of the, the medium and then invading it with, um, some other genres. We have some Western elements here, some horror elements. And I, I think that's really cool. I, we've all been in a romance where at the end of the day, it's really just a gunfight. Um,
1: so I think it's, it's really great to really feel seen here. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I think the art is the real king here, and uh, I mean, don't be <laughs> wrong. Tom whoa, whoa, whoa. is writing the hat out of this. Are you talking about but...
2: the queen passing, like the real king? Oh, R. R. Oh no, no, I'm QE2, not. i you know? yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm not. Uh, I'm not getting into that. But I just. I By was the way, we should mention, do... just for
0: clarity, we are royalists on the podcast. Go ahead, one hundred percent. We I will be in one. London next week
2: for the Queen's funeral, so I'll be sure to lay down some uh, lilies or whatever. <laughs> Oh, okay. Wow. Yes. Yeah. I
0: will be sure to lay doubt.
2: <laughs> Uh But I agree with you guys. Take, some... She's going to the bone orchard and I'm, <laughs> I'm picking.
0: Wow. The
1: Queen's bone orchard. She would have loved that. <laughs> this is some beautiful art. It's, um, interesting Audio kind of art. mashup of storytelling here. It almost kind of had like a Cinderella kind of feel to it a little bit in this. Uh, but I'll, I'll be interested to see how this all comes together, but intriguing first couple of issues. But, uh, again, the, the art's the real winner here. Predator number two from Marvel, written by Ed Bryson, art by Kev Walker.
0: Kev Walker, excuse me. In this series, the Predator has become the predated. Wow. No? <laughs> I don't know if that's the one. Wow. That's probably not happened. correct. Whatever it is, there There's is somebody who is hunting the Predator throughout the universe because the Predator killed their parents. And in this issue, she gets closer than ever to it. I I freaking love this story. I'm not like freaking th- love it. I freaking love it bad. I am not the biggest fan of Predator. Alien is much more my thing. If we're gonna break it down oh, by that, okay,
1: but douche. All right. This is
0: this is. Did you so watch Prey? Good. I love Prey. I thought Prey was Prey. awesome. But this He's comic is so good. I love the story. Kev Walker's art is amazing, which is probably part of the reason that I'm loving this so much. But it's great. Are you guys on the same page or are you like?
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I'm on the hunt the for page, Pete, page. I, uh, I agree with you. Uh, I freaking love this art, Mr. Bigglesworth. It is just uh, really, it's a fun, they're taking something that is could be like, all right, well, another Predator story, but it's really uh, intriguing and it uh, pulls you in in all the right ways. And I'm really impressed with not only the action that we're getting, but the story. Uh, so it's impressive what they're doing with this comic, and I've been enjoying the heck out of it.
2: To me, it shares a lot of DNA with the, the alien comics we've seen um, that yeah. Marvel's doing, as well as just the alien movies in, ge- in general. like uh, we have sort of a, a Ripley type character who is alone um, trying to get to the bottom of a mystery and get some uh, some justice dealt out. Um, so,
0: yeah, it, it's really good. Nothing like dealing justice. The Jurassic League, number five from DC Comics, written by Delia Neil Warren Johnson and Juan Gedeon, art by Juan Gedeon. This issue, our dinosaurs are fighting against the dark side dinosaur.
1: Our Pete- dinosaurs.
0: Our dinosaurs,
1: beating our dinosaurs. home team dinosaurs. All right, yeah, this <laughs> is just so much freaking fun. All right, uh, I I loved it. The kind of Superman dinosaur also like flexing as he stomps. Uh, just so, I, I just I I was a little upset that you know the like. They had to kind of, like, take a moment for themselves. But it's important to work on yourself. You know what I mean? Like, you have to the get – Yeah, the dinos. Even dinos, they do a little self-work to get to the place where they can help out their friends. Yeah. So this there is There a lot fun. of dinosaurs that were fossilized on a therapy couch. Oh, man. So close. You know what I mean? They were just so close. To really close to the a breakthrough. Perfect Sorry, form, this is a little know? bit
0: of a side note. But have you guys seen on HBO, In Treatment-O-Saurus <laughs>
2: I love it. It's a lot of growl, like sort of loud noises, a lot of roars. Jurassic World in treatment.
0: Genius. (laughs) Put it together. I'll I'll, I'll grant you that one. Wow. Everyone
2: Everyone thinks I'm a clever girl, but I just struggle to be clever in the situations, you know? Mm. Hmm. Pete, anything else you wanted to say?
1: No, I was going to say things, but, you know. (laughs)
2: I guess we covered the same things that you were going to say. You're going to say the same things that we said. Yeah, I was going to say the exact same things that you said. Um, this book is like shaking up a toy
1: box, um, and
2: in uh, all the right
1: ways. Don't say it like it's a bad thing. Fucking no, it, dick. it's
2: it's fine. But if we're talking about uh, two Daniel Warren Johnson books on this comic book podcast, I'm ready to talk about the second one.
1: Well, all right, t- take it easy because like. This is, sure, take you ease. know, you don't have to, you know, just because it's the toy box doesn't mean it's not fun and enjoyable. You know what I mean? I'm like, not let's, saying let's... it's not fun and enjoyable. All right, um, well, but
2: you know. it's, uh, it's dinos bumping into each other.
1: Yeah, but it's also a little deeper than that because these dinos are going through some growth and trying to figure out who they are inside. Okay, so don't fucking just make it a toy box. You know what I'll say? It extincts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no,
2: I actually. Uh, that's, that's not good. Good. The critic doesn't, here, doesn't
1: stink.
0: <laughs>
2: that might be a joke
0: from the television program. <laughs> it's, it's from the critic. I'm sorry. Above Snakes number three from Image Comics. I want to be clear. I like Jurassic League. Above Snakes number three from Image Comics, written by Sean Lewis, art by Hayden Sherman. This continues this weird, wild western that is happening where love Sean Lewis, but I think the real standout here is Hayden Sherman. The way that he's drawing these characters, the way that he's drawing the old West is so interesting and so sparse. Um I love looking at every panel in this book. Pete, I know you're a big fan. What'd you think about this?
1: Yeah, this is weird and creepy in a lot of different, interesting ways. Uh I think one of the greatest things about this book is how it's kind of unveiling what it's about it's taking its time and it's confident it's it's not kind of like explaining itself it's having enough confidence to just kind of like sit with the characters as the characters are kind of wandering through this crazy forest so I'm I'm really impressed with uh kind of what we're getting and how we're getting it here this is this is some weird stuff but I'm really enjoying it I think it's super creative this book reminds me of um Bone a little bit,
2: um oh. with our sort of bird characters. Um mashed up with just sort of a pretty gritty western that takes some risks. And um and that's cool. I've never seen something quite like this of uh, the, the cartoonishness mixed with the grit. Um so it is a one-of-a-kind book and I like it.
0: Cool. The amazing Spider-Man number nine from Marvel, written by Zeb Wells, oh. art by Patrick Gleason. Oh. This what? issue Boo. is not only Spider Man dealing with Mary Jane, one of Pete's absolute favorite things, but it's also set during the Hellfire Gala, which is when, oh my gosh, I'm blanking it, Moira McTaggart uh, yeah. is, took over Mary Jane's body. So we're dealing with the fallout from that. It's a couple of months later, which is a little bit of a bummer, String. I gotta say. It's also coming in the middle of a run on Amazing Spider-Man that I've really dug quite a bit. So taking this seeming side trip over to X-Men lab was also a little bit of a bummer for me. But at the same time, Zeb Wells, good writer. Patrick Gleason, great artist. So I wasn't too mad at the book, uh, but I'm excited to get back to the main narrative next issue, personally.
1: Yeah, Um, I just think... Oh, yeah. it, it's it's rubbing salt on a fucking open festering wound to just kind of like uh, fuck with our emotions here with the MJ Peter Parker stuff. So I didn't appreciate it, the kick in the nuts that we got in this uh, issue. Um, but I guess some people are Marvel can I just say something,
0: Pete? If you yeah. have a festering wound that has been open for the past ten years or more, yeah, you're in the bone, Archer man. Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: uh, yeah, you maybe gotta get I that am. Treated. Yeah, or you're just uh, well, going to be bones. So we're a Marvel's a bone not treating it. it. You know what I mean? So why should I? If They're going to leave this fucking opening corpse just lying here festering. Uh, you know why should I treat it if they're fucking treat me like? Let me shit? Uh,
2: just real quick, just to define that. Are you saying this open corpse is you, <laughs> Spider Man, or the Spider Man Mary Jane relationship? Obviously, well, is, is Spider Man Mary Jane
0: relationship? Is it a literal open corpse?
2: Yeah,
1: no. And what do you mean by open spider. corpse? Is that like an open <laughs> house where it's like anyone
2: can take a tour? Yeah,
1: yeah. everyone can come and, and spit on something that they uh, <laughs> <are> really <laughs> want to have an a open corpse funeral. that gets a lot of sun. You gotta
2: check it out. <laughs> You're gonna love it. Um, i like i understand Pete uh, that this relationship frustrates you and we're in a run on this book where w- something bad happened between them and we don't know what it is yep. so we're only getting sort of the fight but on the positive side and let me make this case for you there's some heat here there 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 is more spark in their relationship than there has been since the the mephisto breakup Um, I think like there's page 19, this panel that is like full of uh, bugs eating people. There's just a great like moment where they say hey to each other. And like that's the comic that you want. But like a lot of relationships, it's complicated. Yeah, but they are giving it to you. You just have to look a little bit beyond the pain. And we end the issue with them. Like Mary Jane has she she has a great line, which is like it's about responsibility. And of course, something that Peter Parker Yeah. So like I like the way that um, Zeb Wells is really coming at the continuity in a way that I haven't seen before. The fact that we did this through a deep X-Men continuity situation with Wolverine again hanging out for a not super uh, germane reason, it feels like is awesome. Like, we're burying a great Mary Jane relationship, Mary Jane and Peter relationship moment in uh, the Hellfire Gala. That's wild, and there's great action in this book. I think this run is really cool. I'm curious if we're going to get to the reveal sooner rather than later.
1: We'll move on from that poignant (laughs) silence Did I make the case
2: for you? The defense rest. Well, I...
1: I just Fall in love. it. want them to get back together so fucking bad. It hurts to see them fight. They that's, were together. They were that's together before. Is. Wait, what are you saying, Justin? I said that's what romance is. It
2: takes a while. That's what heartache is, and you got to feel that heartache. It's feel been that years, Peter Parker. bro. Peter Parker's whole thing is feeling these emotions and not being able to deal with them because he has to go uh, fight crimes. Y- you're doing the same thing, except you're not fighting crimes. You're reading a comics. So. At least you don't have
1: to get to purchase I'll take it because you compared me to Spider-Man, so uh, that's super cool.
0: Superman, Son of Kal-El, number 15 from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor, art by Cian Torme. In this issue, we're bringing a ton of arcs, I would say probably the first 15 issues, maybe not to a close, but certainly to a climax here, as Superman and his pals take an assault on Genovia. That's not it. That's the, that's the movie from the, uh, the princess diaries. So probably. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> but whatever it is, it's Harry is Continuity. Country. You, you, you guys present. know you've, you've read this book anyway. Uh, it's yep. a big fight going on there. There's a big emotional moments. I love, love Superman and his boyfriend. I think they're great. And the way that Tam Taylor has writing this is so romantic Throughout this book, yes. they are absolutely crushing it. Uh, and uh, honestly, I'm a little bummed that Kal El is coming back. To be fair. Well, and yeah. I'm
2: curious how that will affect everything. The name of the place is Gomorrah, uh, which is very similar. Um, but I agree mm-hmm. with you. The romance is so strong. And I do think, like, I trust this team so hard. So I think bringing Kal El back will, I assume, bring us a little bit of a new direction. It feels like we've concluded a lot of like just Henry Bendix stuff in general here um, and introduce maybe a new power situation for, mm-hmm. um, uh, for this Superman. So uh, lots to look forward to at the same time, a lot of stuff coming together.
1: This is, this is really great comic books. I love what they're doing with Super, uh, Kal-El in this, their son of Kal-El. Uh, I think it's just one of those things where, It's very touching, you know, side to him. And I I really appreciate the fact that they're leaning into this. Um, Robin's slap meme, kind of switching it (laughs) instead of the Batman slap, was such a great panel. So fun. Uh, Yeah, I just... uh, That, that whole line of like, uh, Robin being like, I heard you've been constantly trying to hurt my best friend. Like just, I'm having a blast with this comic. I don't want it to end. I don't want them to change this up. This is the most fun I've had in Superman in a really long time. And I'm really impressed with this kind of take on it. And I feel like, uh, you know, this is just, this is just great, great comics. Agreed about that, except for the Warworld book, which I'm also have
2: been loving. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah. But Philip uh,
1: Kennedy Johnson, I don't want to take anything away from what he's doing; it's fucking really great. But this is a little different. Shout out to the Lex Luther work in this book as well, which I thought was mm-hmm. awesome,
0: reestablishing yeah. him
2: as a the sort so of
0: great super such a great issue. And the last thing that I'll say about it is it really drove home to me that I. I kind of love these sub-in characters that happen just because it elevates the game of the writing and art team that they feel like they need to meet up to these iconic characters. And it's not necessarily about switching it up so much as legitimately having like, how is John Kent going to live up to the legacy of his father? Let's figure that out. Or same thing when Dick Grayson became Batman. How is he going to live up to Bruce Wayne now that Bruce Wayne is dead? Same thing with Bucky, when Bucky became Captain America. All three of those runs were so good, and a lot of them is about having that conflict, having that striving, having that, how do I live up the memory of this person who I love with every inch of my being, and I want to be worthy of with every inch of my being, but I don't know if I can, and then... They get there, and it's such yeah. a satisfying, wonderful arc to read. We'll have Kal back, like you said, Justin. Philip Kennedy Johnson is killing it. Hell yeah! Tom Taylor is killing it on Superman, son of Kal So I don't expect that to change, but. This is great. If you haven't picked this up, pick up the first 15 issues and trade or otherwise because it's phenomenal. Let's talk about a great. run that is ending here, though, for real A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance, number 11, from Image Comics, written by Rick Remender, art by Andre Lima Arojo. We jump forward in time here, and this is a spoiler, but we get to see the little kid that our main character was taking care of, kept safe getting his revenge on the man who kicked everything in motion here. There's really a lot of answers, a very or answer that happens in this issue that really justifies and explains a lot of the things that have happened throughout this series. But uh, what did you guys think about this? Pete, I'm curious to hear from you. I know you are a big fan you're a big fan, of course, of Rick Remender. How do you think this tied up?
1: I was really impressed. Uh, I, it, I immediately after reading it, I wanted to go back and read all of it again. Um, just because, it, uh, you know, with the way it comes out kind of monthly, I was just a little bit like, oh, man, you know, because I, I haven't seen this bad guy in a while. I, I was I thought they made it super clear who the kid was, but I was kind of like I wanted to kind of see the start of it again. Uh, but, man, I'm really happy that I'm walking away from a Rick Remender book not as heartbreaking. You know what I mean? Like, he gives us a little bit of sunshine on a rainy day. Like, he still fucked us over. And I'm trying not to spoil it for people so they can go and read it. But, man... Uh, I th- I feel like Remender's making some changes in his life. You know what I mean? He's given us a little bit more sunshine, so it's it's enjoyable. The arts, bananas. This is just uh this is a great great comic that should be collected and should be held up as one of Remender's uh, gr- great uh, great runs. Um, I, I do – like there is sort of – I mean a positive
2: ending in that the, some murder happens um, yeah. to someone who uh, maybe deserved it. But um, I, the fact – we spent a lot of time just riding along with the villain and just privy to – all of his uh, power and excesses um, in a way that I feel like Remender was like, look, this is what happens with these people. And only in this case um, do you we get sort of vengeance um, dispensed to them. So it was a uh, great art, as always. Um, great story. And I I know it was sort of a more winning end to a series from Rick Remender, but it still left a sort of horrifying taste in my mouth for the <laughs> reality that Remender has shown us.
1: Yeah.
0: Castle Full of Blackbirds, number one, from Dark Horse Comics, written by Mike Mignola and Angela, Angela Slater. Angela. <laughs> Angela. <laughs> Ooh, you love her. Angela. <laughs> Angela, <laughs> Samantha, who's the boss? Art by Valeria Burzo. In this issue, we are exploring further the Mignola verse and focusing specifically on some witches. I guess is what we call them. Well, and, you know, we were about to talk
2: in a, a second about the other Mignola book that came out, um, Young Hellboy. And both of these books are sort of like almost all ages Hellboy universe books mm-hmm. in an interesting way um, with uh, dealing with some maybe larger things. Um, but it's. Like, and we talk about this a lot. I made a thing. I wish there was more Hellboy. Now it's just like, okay, now there's a lot of Hellboy coming out (laughs) all the time. And this is not the flavor of Hellboy I expected. This is like a Lunchables Hellboy um, Uh that you can just uh, take on your way to to middle school, I guess, if you want to. (laughs) Um, But it definitely feels like this Castle full of Blackbirds feels like a full on all ages Hellboy world book.
1: I agree. Yeah. We kind of get, uh, get a, a different main character other than Hellboy, which is nice. But also, uh, the way they deal with magic is really cool. The artist is, uh, killing on this book, like the whole kind of like, her learning to use her powers kind of thing was really an impressive couple of pages to kind of watch that all happen. Uh yeah, this is a nice kind of like I love Hellboy but maybe if it would be a little bit more kid friendly or more accessible. Uh this definitely does all that but still has that kind of like wildly creative kind of tripped out Hellboy stuff. So it's It's impressive what we're doing here, and uh, it's all under the umbrella of Hellboy, so super cool. The Silver Coin,
0: number 14 from Image Comics, written by Porn Sack art by Michael Walsh. In this issue, we're dealing with what life was like in Hollywood during the pandemic, you remember those days, right? Back
1: in those days, I was certainly reminded of them. In oh, this, oh man, I mean, Justin man. was the headline producer at the time in Hollywood, so he knows. This is
0: taking place in multiple timelines, jumping back and forth to slowly fold out this story that only eventually loops back to the silver coin of the title. This is one of the books I feel like we're now two issues in a row where I was like, Oh, Jesus Christ, uh this is this is too much. I don't know about it's this stressing one. Me out. finally, yeah. finally you're at
2: where I'm at with it. Well, this one especially, like, I was like, this is stressful because of the way they're talking about pandemic. I was like, that's how I talked about it. Oh, am I gonna end up murdering some close uh people in my life? And then secondarily, a lot of touching eyeballs with sharp objects, something. Oh. I don't enjoy. (laughs) Even Um, in comic book form, it's still fucking creepy as fuck. But don't let me say those are negative comments because as a horror book, this is continues to nail every issue. I thought this issue was great and it sort of uh, gave me little butterflies in my stomach in just when I wanted them.
1: What the fuck? You got excited butterflies from this book. I mean, more like, whoa, that's unsettling. Okay. And To be clear, I if got butterflies. A, like,
0: I want to ask it to marry me.
2: <laughs> yeah, of, you've, we've all had different butterflies in our
1: stomachs. I I uh, didn't have Pete, any the butterflies, butterflies. You had in your stomach. You went to the museum with Agile History and ate those butterflies, right? Uh, no, no, I had more silence of the lambs butterflies. Um, he ate a I caterpillar th- and it turned into a butterfly. <laughs> in <the stomach. laughs> uh, 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 this book was too fucking scary. This issue was. Is, Way too fucked up and way too scary, and the coin reveal came a, a little too late for me. And uh, you I am just earlier coin. Reveal? I, I needed, I needed to know how. Well, what was going on? It was just so scary and fucked up. Uh, horror is not my genre, so if you like horror, this is probably great for you. Or yes. this is this is very it enjoyable. Is. It was too fucked up for me. So, uh, but the art. I, I want to give a shout out, and I don't know why this was the issue
0: that this specifically struck me, but shout out to Michael Walsh on this book because most titles are author driven. They're like, well, the writer can write the script pretty quickly, so we're going to put that out every month. But Michael Walsh has put out the Silver Coin fourteen months in a row, I think, with. Killer, very different yeah, stories. Crazy. The art has been consistently awesome and terrifying every issue. This is just just unlike on, on the base of being an amazing comic book project. It's super super impressive, regardless of what you think about it on an issue by issue basis.
2: Honestly, it's make it's made me like coins less. And I keep the change. <laughs> <I> can't trust <laughs> these these old silver circles.
0: Don't trust it. Let's talk about the other Mignola book, Young Hellboy number two from Dark Horse Comics, written by Mike Mignola and Thomas Dagowski, art by Craig Rousseau. This is a little bit more of a classic Hellboy book as we get Young Hellboy going on a mysterious adventure. what do you guys think about this one?
1: This was uh, adorable, but also like a little kind of trip down scary because we kind of uh, switch perspectives on what's actually happening here. Uh, based off the young Hellboy's point of view. Uh, great art. I'm a little worried about Hellboy and what's going on, if he's going to be okay or if he needs to talk to somebody and uh, kind of uh, explain about his reality versus the real reality. But uh, cool and fun. I young do think Hellboy, Hellboy
2: will he'll be all right because of older Hellboy. All oh, he right, right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah um but otherwise i uh, i like the this sort of masquerades as an all ages book but there's That's a right. dark underbelly to it um happening the entire time and uh there's a reveal to be had here that i won't really mention too much about about what is actually happening or who is leading young Hellboy down this path
0: last but certainly not least do a power bomb number 4 from Image Comics, written by Daniel, written and art by Daniel Warren Johnson. And in this issue, our main characters are getting further into their Mortal combat style wrestling elimination challenge on another world. They're finding out more about other competitors as well as the stakes here. It was great.
1: Uh, first off, you're pronouncing the title wrong. It's Do a Powerbomb! There's an exclamation oh, point, and it's all squeezed together, you know, like you're yelling to somebody, like, Do a Powerbomb! So you mm-hmm. got to say and it like that. you're shouting it in a crowd. Yeah, and um, it, you can't say enough about Daniel Warren Johnson's uh, art style, his heart that he brings to every one of his projects. It is not only beautiful. But touching and moving, how he can take something like wrestling and make it so much deeper and more relevant, it's really impressive. The, I mean, the stakes, everything that's going on, i there isn't enough words to describe how great uh, this is and how much fun. Uh, I, I, it's, I'm excited about wrestling. It's weird. I, I didn't know I would be in this place, but, man, this is just... S- such great comic book storytelling and art combination, and such a great package! Holy f and shit! If you like comic books, check this out. You won't be disappointed.
2: Um, holy f and ass! Uh, I agree. <laughs> like this, um, this book is great. Quickly risen to the top of the stack. Like we, uh, we talk about just like we love some great superhero action. This has all that and more, and it's just wrestling. Um, it is so visceral watching these wrestlers like land these uh, special moves that they're doing. It's body horror in a way, uh, but it's it's awesome. It's great uh, top to bottom. Definitely highest recommendation.
0: If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast on YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about comic books, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at comic book live on Twitter, comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the Boone orchard.
2: Oh boy, it's <laughs> in the Boone orchard.